For Your Information is brought to you by the City of Louisville Waste Disposal Department, now offering corpse removal services. Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Information with Zach and John. Welcome to For Your Information, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. We're your hosts, John. And Zach. And today marks the second entry into our March Madness series, uh, where I pick the movies and Zach chooses to suffer. Uh, this is something we've been doing, I guess this is our second year, so not that many episodes have been like this, but uh, we, we like to make a break from the norm from time to time, and just put something really out there and off the wall, uh, out there into the cyberspace for you guys to listen to. So today, uh, we're going to be covering the unique curio of 20th century zombie fiction, Return of the Living Dead from 1985. Uh, no relation to the George Romero films, question mark? Question mark? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> Zach, let me post the question to you. So if a sequel is a subsequent film, why are remakes not called requels? Um, because fuck you and your fancy wordplay, that's why. Um, okay, good answer. <laughs> so remakes, like, okay, so it's, th- this is actually pretty topical considering that everything's a goddamn remake or a reboot right now. So like, a true sequel is like a continuation of the story from the last film. Uh-huh. A reboot can still be in that same universe, same story, but we're like, you're either starting it over, retelling it, or you are, and you're like trying to start the series anew. Like, this is a new starting point, or like, this is a new era. Right. Now, a um, remake is like completely separate from the original film. It may contain the same story elements, but little things are different, like different actors and shit. So that's a remake. However, things like uh, the Dude movie that's coming out is also a reboot. (laughs) I see. So, like, when we talk about sequels and prequels and requels, like, we'll take, like, Stephen King's It, for example. Like, Mm -hmm. the one from, uh, what is it, the 90s? Like, the original one with Tim Curry. Um, Yes. That one was the original. And then the next one is a remake, correct? Like, the most recent one from, was it 2017, 2018? So, that means that it is supposed to be like a reboot of the series but it takes place at a future timeline because right. it's set forward like uh, like 60 years canonically yes it's um so that is a remake because it has nothing to do with the original i see but hypothetically they don't overlap at all other than that actually that's not completely true because in the other one the events take place in the 80s i think and then they come yes. back in the 2000s or the 20 teens yes that is correct I, okay, so I guess there technically could be cross-bleed over because they don't take place in the same universe. They're two completely different things. I answered my own question. Thank you for <laughs> your time. This has been my TED Talk. Okay. I don't Thank remember if I said t- that last week or not, but I've been making that joke a lot recently. Hey, you know what? Um, we have no choice but to stand. It's okay. Yes, that's true. There are no, There's no chairs. <laughs> We have no choice. We have to stand. Yes. I, so, I know I know we shouldn't have come to this restaurant. I understand. They said on their website they don't have chairs. I don't know why I didn't believe them. Right, exactly. It's kind of that new thing, you know, they have convertible desks that, like, stand up on their own. First off, I have a lot of problems bullshit. with this, especially the motorized ones, where you just hit the button and the desk just shoots up in the air, and it's like, I what... Just, now, just lift the desk up. Now, okay, so sta- you should stand at least every 20 to 30 minutes if you work at a desk. Yes. But forcing your employees to stand up because you think it's healthier for them is just, that is fuck you. Like, it's the same reason why I applaud Aldi's every time for letting their fucking cashiers sit for 12 goddamn seconds oh, while they yeah. bring you out. Because fuck you. Fuck you and your elitist bullshit where, you th- where you're like, oh, they're sitting, so it looks like they're not working. Right. Fuck you. Fuck America. Fuck this fucking, like, bullshit work thing that we do. Fuck all of it. All right. Uh, strong words. I'm not going to disagree with you. I think that it's different when you're sitting in an office job and, you know, you got to stand up because it's good for you. But, like, it's apparently not good enough for you to, like, have to manually crank the desk up. You can just hit the button because you were <laughs> allegedly being lazy for sitting down and that's bad for your body to be sedentary for that long. But it's not enough to ask you to, like, turn a little crank on the side of the desk that raises and lowers it. Oh, yeah, because why resort to barbarianism? I... <sighs> 
look, we don't have to motorize everything. We don't have to mechanize everything. Some things are fine the way that they are. I don't understand why, like, mechanical pencils exist sometimes, because, like, what was wrong with the regular pencils? Like, just have a sharpener okay. nearby. Okay, so that that's actually something that I love. I fucking hate sharpening pencils. Like, why? I get, like, because, why? Like, why would you if mechanical pencils existed? Like, I understand what you're saying if they didn't exist, but it's not like one writes better than the other. As a matter of fact, I don't think I've really used a pencil since I was in fucking high school. It's been pens all the way now, baby. I agree with you for the most part. I think when I use a pencil, I have to use the woodcase pencil. I bear down really hard, so like it's easier for me to use the woodcase pencil. But then we get like mechanical pencils that aren't even good. Like they have mechanical pencils that are designed for artists or drafters or engineers right. and like machinists and stuff. Those are fine. Those are good. Those work. But then you just get like a bulk box of shitty plastic like mechanical pencils. Like I I, I can't use that. It doesn't work for me. Well, okay, if it doesn't work for you, then that's fine. I think we're all ignoring the real question here, and it is this. How do you feel about mechanical pencil sharpeners, then? Mechanical pencil sharpener? Like yeah. a pencil sharpener for a woodcase pencil that is mechanized? Yeah, you never use one of those? Uh, my oh. mom was a teacher, and I, we use one of those all the time. It's like a, it's like an electric pencil yeah, sharpener sure over engineered but fundamentally useful i don't like <laughs> it but i can find use for it so is it as useless to you as a uh, as a vcr rewinder uh i'm gonna say it's in a similar vein like the vcr will rewind itself that's fine i don't understand why there's not a cordless drill attachment that you can stick into the vcr and just go and be done with it that's way easier um because that would 150 thousand percent break that shit look then just put it back in and hit rewind walk away go smoke or whatever it is you're gonna do because you're still using a vhs player and then come back and it'll Good be done sir <laughs> if i had a vcr player i would still use it i mean i had one up until relatively recently and i think it's just in a box at my parents house there is no better way to watch friday the 13th 3d you have to watch it on a VHS. I hate this, and we are so <laughs> dangerously off base. Although, I will say Monty Python and the Holy Grail must be watched on VHS. Correct. Th these are all correct statements. I don't know why you're all booing. These are correct. Yeah, exactly. So, in, <laughs> at risk of completely derailing this podcast, let's bring it back full circle and talk about the movie again. So, Return of the Living Dead. Zach, what were your thoughts on this? Um. Okay, so, this is, like, what is... Like, I had never seen this, okay? Henceforth, the purpose of this week. It's always been on my radar because it's like, quote-unquote, like a punk rock classic. And I'm like, I don't know how anything could be punk rock and classic. I don't think those two make sense together. If it's punk rock, it's punk rock. If it's not, that means it's old and it's outdated. And We're going to fight over this anymore. in the last section of the, the podcast. <laughs> okay. let's. Yes. I'm so looking forward to it, dude. Let's dissolve our friendship over a podcast. Fuck yes. Anyway. I'm going to drive to Pennsylvania and we're going to fight in the Wendy's parking lot. Nah, dude, we got to go fight in the Sheets parking lot. Oh, right. You guys have Sheets over there. Then I can show you what good gas station food tastes like. And then I'm going to kick your ass. And then you're never going to come back to Pennsylvania. And you'll always think about, I miss Zach. I miss our friendship. But I wish I could go to Sheets. But you if I what? step I, foot I, in I, Pennsylvania, yeah. he's going to kick my ass again. I, I like this angle and I like that this is the movie that did it. <laughs> Any hoozles, any what's-its. Um, I, I liked this movie. Okay, Question hesitancy. Mark? Like, is it possible to, like, want to hate fuck a movie? No, I think that's problematic <laughs> verbiage. <laughs> okay, very, like, very angrily and, like, knowing that I'm not doing the right thing, fuck this movie. Right, this is a why can't I quit you kind of movie. Yes, it's, um, because there are elements of it that were great. It's got everything I could want. It's got punks. It's got a great punk rock soundtrack. It's disgusting. And it actually has some good moral value in it. You know, it, it, yeah, it touches on... A... like feminist shit. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Look, it touches on a lot of important stuff. And it was uh, honestly not as big a deal at the time of release as you kind of thought it might have been. Or at least I thought it might have been. So uh, why, don't we, uh, why, why don't we start moving that direction with it? So uh, this movie came out 
about like what 15 years after night of the living dead so night of the yes. living dead was one of my favorite movies and uh something that we've talked about uh a bit on the show before that was kind of a groundbreaking film at the time just because of like the way it was released and how you know it had like a black leading male and it was honestly kind of looked at as exploitative for that reason even though that's not necessarily the case but it, it stirred a no. lot of pots you know what i mean this movie did not really do that why do you think that that is um probably because this movie would not have been interesting to anyone who also you know didn't go see the rocky horror picture show every weekend and like didn't hang out in those fucking like creepy like cbgb clubs and shit yeah yeah i see where you're going with that more to come on that more to come on that now one thing that we do on this podcast that a lot of other podcasts maybe don't do is we make cocktails so normally uh when we do episodes i'm the one making the cocktail but since it's march madness zach it is your turn to make the cocktails uh what do you what do you have for me um i (laughs) i honestly could not think of anything to do for this one like i've we've done a sludge cocktail we've done like a green cocktail so i'm gonna actually suggest that you go support your local brewery (laughs) oh okay that's actually pretty good and also kind of punk rock keeping it local exactly i am currently enjoying a trogues uh what is this um perpetual ipa it is uh it's like it's a normal ipa but it has like a very like almost like bubbly like sweet sprite finish to the end of it Mm. it's really good and i can't quit it just like this movie right why can't i quit you why can't i quit this drink exactly so please go support your local breweries uh they're definitely having a hard time right now it's really hard to justify keeping those breweries open so we got to give them a reason to with alcoholism so get on it guys all right cool it doesn't have to be medically alcoholism you know no, you, there's a lot of ways to do this in a healthy a healthy fashion speaking of healthy fashion i, I did make a cocktail as a backup so i'm kind of glad that you brought beer into it i'm glad we're keeping it local but uh we did make a cocktail so the one i made is called the nuclear option Ooh. Right. So what you'll do is you get your shakers together, put some ice in one. You're going to put one and a half ounces of vodka, one ounce of orange juice, a half ounce of Cointreau, and two dashes of lime juice or about a quarter ounce, not very much. And you're going to shake it together with ice thoroughly. You want to get that dilution. Then you're going to strain it out into the glass and you're going to add two to three ounces of NOS energy drink. Now, caveat, Mm. normally I do not suggest mixing hard liquor and energy drinks it's not good for you um only do this in moderation do not have more than one of these cocktails i can't i can't i can't put the energy drink in my i can't have fucking jaeger bombs anymore i'm 40 man i'm still a kid what's up i think it will age your insides at least 40 percent faster than the rest of your body that you go to the doctor and he's like you literally cannot stop drinking jaeger bombs it might kill you you've done so many Right, yeah. It's like, well, honestly, I think the damage of stopping the Jaeger bombs is greater than the Jaeger bombs themselves. Don't let a doctor tell you that, by the way. Do not. (laughs) First off, don't find yourself in that situation. Second off, if you are in that situation, do not let a doctor come into that. It's true. Oh, man. Uh, That's not the end of it, though. Uh, Once you get it all together in the glass, you're going to gently top the glass with Midori. So get your bar spoon, pour it lightly over the top, maybe just like a half ounce at most. Um, And that's actually going to sink to the bottom of the glass. So what you get is kind of that sweet gradient effect that we see in some of these cocktails where you're going to get like a like a green kind of bottom fading up into like a yellowish top. Uh, It's a neat appearance, but most importantly, it's got a good mild flavor. Honestly, the NOS has a little bit like a tropical citrus mango kind of flavor to it blends Mm. well with the lime blends well with the midori which is kind of like a sweet melon flavor and um i thought it was pretty interesting it's not like a crazy cocktail it's not smoking like it doesn't have you know stuff coming out of the glass but uh you know there's only so much that we can do with what we got right now and uh that is have a good cocktail hey man no i actually think it's really interesting because like the way that you did this it goes with the color palette of the movie really well. So like, you know, like the like the majority of the colors in this movie are like a deep green and then like like you said like yellow and like kind of orangey and then mm-hmm. of course black, but like so like the the way you made that drink, it goes with the color palette of the film really well. So I actually have to applaud you on this one. Yeah, kind of inspired by that. Uh, also, kind of like the whole like punk rock, face melting, sludgy art style. 
Hell yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that stuff. I wish that it were more, like, prolific. I wish it were something more identifiable to, like, normal people. Because you see that type of stuff, you know, in, like, skate punk styles or, like, hardcore. And, like, you know, it's really cool. But, like, I mean, it's just not... Like, it doesn't get talked about ever, I feel. No, it doesn't. And, you know, like like I said last week, like, the like the punk rock, like, kind of like, you know, like, skater style. That We did talk about this last week, didn't we? Um, we might have touched on it. I mean, uh, for heavy metal, which, I mean, is tangentially related to this movie, and we'll get to more on that later, but, um, it, there does seem to be a bit of a bleed over, you know, we get, um... I guess more of like the '80s punk stuff, which is when we got more of the hardcore for this movie, and kind of right. the uh, the Brit punk like chains and safety pin type thing uh, exhibited in this movie as well. Which is not my favorite type or era of punk. No, but you know you're also a pop punk bitch. So <laughs> okay, hold on. First of all, it's pop punk bitch, sir. And second, um, no, I think I think I really enjoy just the spirit of punk no matter where it is. Mm-hmm. Just like if it's kids doing something to piss off the status quo creatively, like whether it's art, movies, or music, it, it's just beautiful. It's just a beautiful spirit to have. Like like you're seeing it a lot. There's a lot of it going on with like um, with trap emo right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like these kids look like mall punks. Like they dress like mall punks, but they're just making trap music. Mm-hmm. So okay. I mean, it's I mean, like it's like that's still punk. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that the spirit is there. Uh, I think this is probably the the way that punk moves forward, and I think it's cool that it changes a lot. I like that there are still homages to the originals. It, it stays alive, you know. Like things about it, they oh, don't yeah. fully go away. That's not something that we see in all other types of music. I think with rock music in particular, like. Yeah, we all remember, like, Elvis Presley. Yeah, we all remember, like, Buddy Holly. We still remember even... You could go back as far as, like, a like a Steve Miller band. Like, everybody knows that. But, like, not many people are doing it these days. Unless you're, like, a local bar band doing covers, you know? But there's not, like, new music in that style that comes out very often. And uh, I think there are still lots of bands that are doing, like the hardcore punk stuff or like the 70s punk stuff like those styles still exist very much in the mainstream well mainstream none of it's very mainstream but you know in the modern day i disagree with you i think foo fighters are still making boring 40 year old white dude music i think that your aggression is not (laughs) properly directed at the foo fighters the foo fighters are fine Tell me, tell me when they've made an interesting album in the last 20 years. Just, just throw it at me. I think Dave Grohl turning on like the record feature on his phone and just singing while he's on the toilet is interesting enough to count as an album. Oh, no, no, no. My problem is not with Dave Grohl. My problem is with whoever markets them and like makes them make the music that they make. I hate them. They market themselves. Like, they're the Foo Fighters. Dave Grohl is one of the best musicians of our time. He, It's just unfortunate that he, I think he has just run stale in that band. I think he needs to do something else. All right. Well, uh, speaking of running stale, I think it's uh, it's about time that we move on to our, uh, our synopsis portion. Oh, God. All right. Yeah, I did see Frank out in the parking lot. He tried to wave at me, and I just kind of kept walking. I was like, we don't need to be friends outside of work. Yeah, that's a good move. That's a good move. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go let him in. All right. Thanks, John. All right, everybody. So while we're waiting on Frank, I just want to remind you that we are still brought to you by the City of Louisville Waste Disposal Department, now offering corpse removal services. We will see if they still want to be friends with us after this. Speaking of friends, Frank, what's up, baby? Hey, it's good to be back. Uh, fresh off the bus, as always. Fresh off the bus. Um, do you how how true does the song "Wheels on the Bus" ring for you, Frank? Well, they do in fact go round and round, round and round, round and round, and uh, that's about all I remember. They just go round and round and round and round. Exactly. The bus doesn't typically do much more. If the wheels aren't going round and round and round, you know the economy is tanked. Have you ever seen the bus roll round and round and round and round? I that is that sounds horrible. I really don't ever want to be in that situation. It could be worse. <laughs> All right, Frank, so what's been going on with you, man? Oh, not much. You know, I got back to New York City, uh, back to my regular old antics, getting harassed by the police, getting harassed by the locals, getting harassed by the wildlife. It's a grand old time. So who? what is your, like, number one wildlife enemy? Hmm, well, I think I've talked before about how bad the raccoon problem is in New York City, specifically Central Park. Uh, pigeons as well, you know, they're tasty, and they, they don't like the fact that they're tasty, but they just need to admit the fact that they're tasty. It's kind of like the poplars in Futurama. Just like that. Just like that. All right, Frank, so in your antics of, you know, 
wildlife in Central Park eating, did you get a chance to watch Return of the Living Dead? No, of course I did. Alrighty, well, why don't you go ahead and tell me and the audience a little bit about Return of the Living Dead. Alright. Teenage wasteoids rule the streets of Louisville, Kentucky. That is, until Freddy goes straight and gets a job in a medical supply warehouse. On his first day, Freddy finds out about a secret army science experiment that's made its way into the basement of the warehouse. One slip and toxic gas is released into the air, bringing the dead to life once more. Beautiful. Thank you, Frank. Very succinct. That is a definitely what the movie's about. Um, did you like the movie, Frank? I thought the movie was fine. I think they're all fine. I just, I don't understand why the actors don't respond when I talk to them. Ah, I see. We'll have to we'll have to explain to you how that works another day. But we are already way too far into this, so I'm gonna have to let you go for the day, Frank. All right. Is it not like a Zoom call? It it's not like a Zoom call, buddy. It's more like a play, but the people aren't actually there in front of you. Huh? And they can't hear me through my microphone, even though I tap on the I tap on the lens and I tap on the screen and I ask, "Can you hear me?" I don't think it's gonna do any harm for you to do that, Frank. I don't know how much social interaction you get, in, other than this podcast. So I say keep doing it, but I will tell you they're not gonna talk to you. However, I do want to introduce you to a little show called Dora the Explorer because she definitely will kind of talk back to you. Oh, well, that sounds like fun. Maybe she'll talk to my pigeons, too. Yep, maybe. She just might, Frank. All right, see you, buddy. All right, see you later. Oh, dear God, John, we got to get a new synopsis reader. This is getting ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I think he's... I don't think he's losing his touch. I just don't know that he ever had a touch to lose. I I think that a lot of people would disagree that Frank's synopsis has a a lot of touches he could lose. But anyway... (laughs) Um... Man, who's playing that really shitty trombone outside your house? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Probably someone with a tiny penis. Anyway, (laughs) let's get into the, like, you know, like the Wikipedia info for this, John. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we'll just take it straight from the top. Uh, Director was Dan O'Bannon, who, uh, if you remember from last week, actually was involved with Heavy Metal, Alien, Dark Star, uh, which was actually with John Carpenter, believe it or not. So he's got a bit of uh, entertainment pedigree behind him. Yes, definitely like an aficionado with horror. Yes, definitely. Uh, There were many writers. So there's John Russo, Rudy Ritchie, and Russell Streiner. And Dan O'Bannon, again, who did the screenplay. Uh, More on that later. Uh, Produced by Tom Fox and Graham Henderson. Music by Matt Clifford and Francis Haynes. uh, With licensed music from popular punk bands of the time to include The Cramps, 45 Grave, The Damned, etc. There's actually a lot of really cool bands that did music for this. I I know we kind of mentioned that earlier. The Cramps being, like, the number one. Like, The Cramps are fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, As far as actors go, uh, there's a lot of really uh, notable people in here if you're into this type of movie. Uh, Clue Gallagher is Bert. You might know him from McHugh or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, James Caron is Frank, who is also in Poltergeist. Uh, Don Kalfa as Ernie from Weekend at Bernie's. We got some fan favorites here. Uh, Mark Venturini as Suicide and Linnea Quigley as Trash. You are a Linnea Quigley-like fanboy, correct? I think she just appears in a lot of movies that I already like. Okay, so it's not like a you go out seeking movies with her in it. No, I don't. She but just finds you. Right. Specifically for this, though, I was scrolling through IMDb, noticed her there, and noticed she had like 177 credits. Yes, and most of them are horror movies. Right. I didn't know that. I didn't know there were so many of them. They go back like a ways, too. I think, what, like, like 1977, 1975? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, no, she's got I mean, quite a quite a backlog there. She is an industry legend. I mean, like, she is literally the queen of B-movies. Yeah, she's like the Pamela Anderson of B-horror. Yes, that, that is a great way to put it. However, I've heard that she's a very nice lady. Cannot say the same. For Pamela Anderson. <laughs> right, right. If Entertainment Tonight told us nothing at all, it, it, it was that. Didn't they also do one of those on Denise Richards? Uh, you know, if you remember from Starship Troopers? Yes. Yes, they right. do. Right. I don't know how I... I don't know why I know that. I'm upset that I know that. Yeah, you know what? I, I do like Denise Richards, though, because uh, Blue Mountain State. Oh, right, right, right. Can't forget about Blue Mountain State. Uh, maybe don't we'll have to do the, uh, the movie here one day. I don't really want to talk about... I don't really want to talk at length about Jankum on this podcast again. Right, 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 right. Is that the one where they do the oil change, or was that the, the TV series? That was the TV series. Uh, the Jankum was the movie. I see, I see. I... Uh... Wow. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, distributed by Orion Pictures and released August 16th, 1985, uh, with a budget of $4 million and a box office return of $14.2 million, making it a moderate success. And a fluke that they soon found out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I've, again, seen worse, seen better. Yeah, but then they went and made, like, what, 17 sequels to this thing? 
they did not well yeah they did make not 17 they, they made a bunch of them i can't speak to any of the ones there i've seen the second one and i think i've seen the third one too um they're not great they're not memorable they're not like the first one really the second one's like okay um but anything past that is not really worth your time and i definitely don't know what the like you know box office return was like i don't even think a lot of them got a theatrical release Probably not. I would assume not. Home video was a thing, and I think if home video had been, like, a true big thing, I think this would have been released straight to video. Right. Now, uh, let's talk about the elephant in the room here. Um, We're very familiar with George Romero, and we're familiar with Night of the Living Dead from 1968. So, with a title like this, it makes you ask, well, what is the relationship between Night of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead? Um, And the answer is, it's kind of complicated. So, I know yes. earlier we talked about it, and how George Romero wasn't involved in the making of this film at all but george romero did have a set of movies like land of the dead day of the dead uh dawn of the dead all that stuff that exists uh, like as a canonical sequel to night of the living dead technically this movie is also a canonical sequel to night of the living dead it's simply written by john rousseau so john rousseau and george romero worked on night of the living dead together and then chose to not work together on subsequent projects so in splitting up they both took their little piece of the pie there like a little bit of a court settlement type thing george romero retained the rights to make the sequels of night of the living dead and he made the movies dawn of the dead and all that other stuff John Rousseau retained the right to use titles featuring Living Dead. Which is interesting. Like, uh, George Romero definitely got the better piece of this. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's kind of harder to see Return of the Living Dead as a true sequel to Night of the Living Dead. Just because the tones are so different. You're right about that. There's a lot of reasons for that. And we will definitely be touching on that here in a moment. Uh, This film actually has a few call-outs to the predecessor, including the stairway shot. So if you're familiar with Night of the Living Dead, you know that like the walking down the stairs thing is like a really like popular shot from that movie. They recreate that here. The zombies run, the zombies talk. They do a lot of stuff that they didn't do in Night of the Living Dead. But at the same time, they talk about Night of the Living Dead in this movie it's literally taking place in a world where that movie exists already and the events of the movie that inspired night of the living dead also took place prior to the release of the movie so does that mean that dawn of the dead also technically exists in this universe honestly it totally could that is a really strange concept yeah so it's like technically this is almost Like, if you're having trouble following what we're saying here, like, this is almost like, think of this as, like, a fan fiction film, almost, except it's written by someone who wrote the original which is exactly yeah very odd and with that uh it's also worth mentioning that this is based on a book uh believe it or not it is based on a novel john rousseau wrote the novel in 1977 (laughs) right yeah gross based on a book how could a movie like this come (laughs) from a book how would anyone waste paper putting whatever whatever (laughs) this is again intended to be a direct sequel to another living dead but also intended to be made into a film believe it or not when they first thought about making it into a film toby hooper was the first choice for director and he was going to make it in 3d i i have such a complicated relationship with toby hooper yeah i know you do um and and knowing that james Karen was like in poltergeist there's a lot of crossover here yeah speaking of crossovers i know that this is going to derail this even further but i actually just uh, i ordered a new blu-ray which i've been doing way too much of lately um uh-huh. but have you heard of body bags body bags i don't think so it is an anthology film where everything is directed by toby hooper and john carpenter interesting yes i'm i was it was 15 bucks and i was like you know what i'm willing to give this a blind buy just based on those two names alone okay well i mean honestly i'm kind of interested and i think i'm gonna have to buy it too also um uh the linnea quigley horror workout vhs what yeah it's exactly what you think it is and i was absolutely floored to find out that it existed at all i i i need this this is why i haven't been able to lose weight this this was this was the kick in the ass i needed it is literally like an 80s workout video like uh is it (laughs) like mouser is it it james simmons or richard simmons it's it's god damn it you would have to it's richard simmons i forget i said anything i didn't say anything Oh, dear God, yeah, because Gene Simmons has the tongue, and Richard Simmons has the fro. That's how you have right. to remember it. I <laughs> uh, Can you imagine a Gene Simmons workout video, though? 
Um, I would, can only imagine it's some sort of cunnilingus training video. I don't like that at all. <laughs> bring it, bring it, bring it back home. Uh, so Toby Hooper declined to direct. Dan O'Bannon agreed under the condition that he can make major changes in his own screenplay version of the book. This is where those major tone shifts come between Night of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead. Even though Return of the Living Dead is technically a canonical sequel to Night of the Living Dead, it does not feel like the same movie whatsoever. Not even one bit. <laughs> No, not even close. Uh, despite the film taking place in Louisville, it is filmed in Bakersfield. Um, Bakersfield, California, not Bakersfield, wherever the hell else there's a Bakersfield. I can attest from personal experience that Bakersfield is absolutely nothing like Louisville, Kentucky. And honestly, I'm kind of surprised that they pulled it off because I had no idea that it wasn't Kentucky. I thought it was either just movie magic or they actually filmed it in Kentucky. Well, considering that, like, they only really show, like, one corner of the town and it just so happens to be, like, Death Corner because there's, like, the fucking, like, um, you know, cadaver warehouse and the mortuarium and a cemetery all in the same block. That's who true. Fuck, That's who true. fucking decided this? I think what? that maybe they were just trying to compartmentalize. You know, they were trying to find like a place to keep all the poor people. So they built all the housing outside of where the cemetery's at to keep them away from the middle of the town because it's Louisville, Kentucky. Right. But at the same time, why would you do this? Because like now it's... Like, okay, so what are you going to do? Are you going to go to that mortuarium and not use that cemetery? I mean, it's... it's, it's, They've got a fucking monopoly on this thing. Does that guy own the cemetery? I mean, it's the Resurrection Cemetery. It's also the Resurrection Funeral Home. And I can only assume that there's a relationship there. I think that maybe this is one of those things like, yeah, you kind of have to get them as a package deal or else transporting all the stuff back and forth and transferring all the paperwork back and forth between, like, establishments is probably going to be really complicated, stupid, and expensive, which is kind of shitty. It's literally just a captive market thing we're not getting into like funeral politics right now this is not a thing that we can do just build a cannon and shoot my naked dead body into the sun while david bowie's is their life on mars plays honestly i kind of like it i kind of like it a lot actually dude i just just imagine just imagine it my big fat flappy body just going through through the atmosphere into the sun i I like it it. have you have you ever seen like a rocket launch like from a distance you know like in like florida or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah so uh, i don't know if i ever talked about this but a few years ago there was a like a big spacex launch i think it was the falcon 9 missile and i saw it from like central california even though they launched it from like orange county or something like that and first off we were all like oh that's a missile we're gonna die but no it just turns out it's spacex it looks like a jellyfish going through the atmosphere so i'm really interested interested to know how a human body stands up um i don't think that you would be able to see it unless you're standing directly underneath it also i don't know how fast it would go and i also think that you would probably burn up in the atmosphere before you ever got to the sun and then also there's a whole bunch of trajectory bullshit with that i've thought this through a lot by the way i Um, see yeah um speaking of corpses uh the tar man zombie that comes out of the big old like barrel in the bottom of the warehouse is played by Mm -hmm. alan troutman fun fact who is a puppeteer that went on to work for jim henson studios hey you know what they get the best of the best because they are the fucking best yes exactly uh big puppets you know jim henson get on it elon musk get on it (laughs) i want to live in a world where muppets exist in the world with me i don't want that that's actually the last thing that i want look okay you could either have a big disgusting alien or you could just have muppets all right look i'm thinking like you can call people a muppet right now and that's a thing but if we have to start including muppets into like our culture then that's going to become very taboo very fast and you're going to slip up and call someone a muppet and then all of a sudden you're going to find yourself without a job and blacklisted (laughs) she had fur on her i thought she was a muppet oh my god (laughs) no she's a bird person you asshole i we cannot no we're not doing this we're not doing this right now we're we're this is probably the most off base episode that we have done in a year and honestly i'm here for it punk rock man i'm 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 fucking i'm fucking jazzed off this goddamn pepsi mango shit that i bought at cvs you got the mango pepsi I did, and I'm trying to decide whether it's actually good or it slaps. I'm leaning towards slaps. I'm leaning towards slaps. I want to say you're supporting fascism. (laughs) I I hate this. Let's move on. Okay, cool. Um, Let's talk about the reception of the film. So, this film currently boasts a shocking 91% tomato meter score on Rotten Tomatoes. It's certified fresh, and honestly... 
I don't know how that is. The audience score is 78%, which is high, but normally with cult movies like this, it's the opposite. Normally there's like a really high audience score and a relatively low tomato meter score, but the tomato meter score is significantly higher than the audience score. That is absolutely astonishing. Um, that is like the one thing I didn't bother to look up about this movie. Um, I stand. We have no choice but to stand. Um, all all other options have been exhausted. Stand yes, it we, is. We have no chairs. We only have desks that are stuck in the up position because the motors on the desk wore out and it's not plugged into the wall anymore. They shut our lights off. And because they shut our power off, we can't put the desk back down. We have no choice but to stand. <laughs> But, I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's not a bad movie. I'm sure it deserves it. Um, I mean, if you want to get artsy-fartsy about it, it's definitely, like, a parody of horror at the time. It's almost like a precursor to Scream in a way. I see what you mean there. I do see what you mean there. It's got an IMDb score of 7.3 out of 10, which is also considerably high. And uh, believe it or not, Roger Ebert reviewed this film, giving it a 3 out of 4 stars. What a hack. I, you, <laughs> way to get everybody in the, the the film fan community really upset really fast fuck roger ebert i am all about leonard malton leonard malton please come on the podcast i love you all right so we got leonard malton coming on the podcast we have the ghost of roger ebert coming on the podcast we have lloyd kaufman coming on the podcast and maybe we can get linnea quigley on the podcast you know i think we might be better off like trying to find whoever held the boom mic in this movie we might be able to get them that's all right yeah do you think they'll do it for free or do you think they'll need like i don't know four bottles of night train i think they'll probably do it for a pbr more than oh likely. that's pretty good a single pbr i like it i like it um yeah so to continue on with what roger ebert said about the film he said it was a quote-unquote sensation machine and uh ended up thinking that like the marriage of the horror and the punk rock stuff was pretty fresh at the time and he said that that was novel it's it that's a good thing yeah it's um horror movies and punk rock are kind of like married at this point it's kind of interesting and like i wonder if this movie was maybe haps like the first one to do it yeah um i think there were a few movies like this in the 80s i know hard rock zombies came out immediately after this film and hard rock mm -hmm. zombies is it's not punk really at all it's just crappy it's just it's don't watch it okay <laughs> but well, I, I say don't watch it. We've actually had a fan request for this movie. I don't know if I told you about it or not, but uh, if you're listening, Jacob, we've, we know. We know about Hard Rock Zombies. Well, John knows about Hard Rock Zombies. This is the first time I'm hearing of it. And Jacob, uh, it, it, I'm officially saying uh, for requests, you have to come on the podcast and explain why you want me to watch this. I see. I see. I, I'm sure we can arrange that. If we can't get the ghost of Roger Ebert, at least we can get fans like Jacob. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, I, so just because we're on this subject and I'm sorry, we are so derailed. I don't know why I'm having fun today though. I hope you're having fun too. And if you're not, I'm sure you're not listening at this point. Anyway, um, when I was in my writing class at GSU, um, my writing teacher told me about this. Uh, he was like working for somebody when he was doing his internship and they were working on a script for this movie that was called punks versus mods. And it was what? literally like a warrior style movie where skate punks, we're fighting the mods. What are and the I mods? I needed this movie to exist. Huh? What are what do they mean by the mods? It's like so the mods are, were were like a movement in like the 70s and 80s. It was kind of like the like counter punk rock, I guess. It was like also alternative culture, but it wasn't punk rock. So it's like it's kind of like we're like new wave and shit like that. Like Rod Stewart was technically a mod. Oh god, okay. And like um I don't know if this reference point works for you at all, but um basically the way that uh Noel Fielding from the Mighty Boosh looks like, that's what you're thinking. Uh, all right, all right. <laughs> Did I just say a lot of words that meant absolutely nothing to you? I'm looking it up right now on my phone as oh, I see. So this is like a rock thing and there's motorcycles and this got co-opted yes. by skinheads. Yeah. Kind Wait, of. you said Billy Joel is technically a mod? No, I said Rod Stewart, you fuck. The Do same not fucking mess with thing. Billy Joel. Yeah, Billy Lionel Joel Richie, a... Billy Joel, whatever. Billy Joel is a national treasure. He did not write one bad song. I will not let you badmouth Billy Joel. I... <laughs> I will kick you off this podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna drive to Pennsylvania right now. We're gonna fist fight in the sheets parking lot. Fuck yes! That's the most Pennsylvania thing you can do. We'll have Gritty come. Oh, Gritty's gonna be there? That's how you know there's gonna be violence. 
Greedy wakes up and chooses violence every goddamn day. Anyway. Right. <laughs> Let's talk about something that you do like. Uh, home video releases. So Ooh. the film wasn't actually released until 2001 when it was released in the UK by Tartan Home Videos. And uh, and in 2002, there was a fan-led campaign on the internet that resulted in MGM releasing the film with bonus features in the US. So from 1985 to 2002, there was no US release of this film. Fair. Right. And since 2002, there have actually been a few different releases with Blu-rays and DVDs. There's actually a 25th anniversary collector's edition, if you're interested. Yes, yes, there is. And it's by a company called Shout Factory under their Scream Factory label. And um, if you want to know where all of my money goes... It's the Scream Factory. I really like that. I'm really glad we can be friends so I can borrow all your Scream Factory stuff. Oh, dude, come to my house. I literally, like, because of Stimmy and everything else, and I got my Mac, and I still have money left over, and I'm an idiot, I think I've spent upwards of $250 on Scream Factory Blu-rays in the last, like, two months. I'm proud, but also, like, frightened. They've been having sales, so d- don't don't worry. I- I've bought at least $600 worth, but I've only paid $250 for them. I'm, I'm glad. We have historians like you that are out here. They're preserving the culture of the librarian, which is a shriveling, shriveling part of our society. I, I'm not a hero, but I also am a hero, so um, give me money. There you go. Uh, you see what? Gen Name Z, a building listen after up, me. <laughs> right? Name a building after me. I am the... I don't know where I'm going with this. I, I thought I, I had something... I am the walrus. Cuckoo kachoo. Yeah, Rod Stewart, 1969. <laughs> John Lennon just rolled over in his fucking grave. Uh, yeah, Good. well, I, I'm not, I'm not going to make the joke about John Lennon imagining there was no 38 special again. <laughs> when I get to hell, the first thing I'm going to do is beat the shit out of John Lennon. I think that should be, I think you should be allowed to do that. Yeah, Gritty's going to be there and everyone's <laughs> going to be cheering and throwing beer cans. What if we're actually in hell and Gritty is Satan? I, I buy this theory. He's so obscure. Like, the only reason I know what Gritty is is because of you and, again, Jacob, who requested Hard Rock Zombies. How do you not know about Gritty? Gritty is everywhere. I don't know if maybe it's because I live in Pennsylvania, but I That's see Gritty exactly why that all is. the time. Follow Gritty on TikTok. He's great. I, uh, uh, Gritty on TikTok? Gritty has a fucking TikTok, dude. At Gritty NHL. Get on it. I, oh my god. There's so much going on right now. We we are so dangerously <laughs> up. It, this is, uh, you, you are you are such a lawful good person and I've brought you into the chaotic neutral. So this movie is really important, I think, in the culture of horror. It's important in the culture of like punk rock movies and it's also important for zombie fiction specifically. This is honestly yes. the first movie that popularized the idea of zombies eating brains specifically brains it didn't really happen before this um you know we had night of the living dead where you know they're eating flesh they're eating body parts and stuff but nobody's going after the brains right and then there was like the lucio fulci film it's called zombie or zombie 2 it's supposed to be like an unofficial exploitative sequel to night of the living dead and it has nothing to do with it whatsoever and it doesn't even take place in the united states for the most part but it's uh technically a sequel but this movie this is the one where the brain eating starts which i find so interesting like like how is that not a thing until this like it's such a cliche it is and honestly i i think it's hard to divorce the zombie phenomenon from that and this is the reason for it this specific movie is the reason for that i i love it it honestly like that gives it so much credit and i think without that piece of knowledge like you're missing a lot about this movie about how it revolutionized zombies because this is probably also the first time that they were shown like still kind of acting like people but just like you know they want to eat brains Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the first time we see talking zombies. It's the first time we see running zombies. Like, there's a lot of firsts for this film. And the fact that it is remembered in any capacity, I mean, it's not surprising that it's remembered, I guess. But the fact that all of this made it into the zombie, like, mythos is really a testament to the movie and the way it was made and the way that it was received i think i mean you know like in the early to mid 2000s the zombie thing started and through the bulk of the 20 teens it was pretty heavy with like the walking dead and like 28 days later and world war z and like all that crap Mm -hmm. and i i can't help but think about how different that might have been had this movie not existed it it would have 
See, I, I don't believe in that whole thing where it's like, oh, if this movie hadn't happened, this wouldn't have happened. It's like, yes, it would have. But... Yeah, but, like, it wouldn't have looked the same way. Like, do you think we would have had Plants vs. Zombies if we didn't have the brain-eating zombies from Return of the Living Dead? Maybe? I don't know. I mean, it. I, I'll never live in a world where this doesn't exist. Exactly. So... Yeah. You know what? You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome, world. <laughs> um. No, but this movie definitely, like... <sighs> It's one of those things where, like, if you haven't seen it before, you it, it almost feels cliche to you. But, like, then you realize, like, oh, no, this made the cliche. Yes. So, that in that way, it is important. It, as much as I was, like, very, like, on the fence with the movie, like, there were parts of it I really enjoyed. And it definitely gave me that horror, like, you know, when you're about to see something fucked up happen, you go, oh, fuck, yeah, it's gonna happen. It gave me those. So, I mean, that's really important for me. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Uh, in addition to revolutionizing the way that we look at zombies in movies, uh, this was the directorial debut of Dan O'Bannon. So, uh, as we mentioned earlier, made a bunch of contributions in sci-fi and horror. This is the first movie that he directed. You know what? Good for him. Th th Good he for came him. out. He came out the gate with some pretty good critical reception. So, I mean, that's... I mean, you can't ask for more than that. That's true. That's true. Made the money back, too. I mean, I'm thinking, like, in the same way that it's hard to imagine, like, the zombie mythos without this movie and what it had to contribute. It's kind of hard to imagine a world where Toby Hooper did direct this movie. I... See, it's like... Toby Hooper made Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it's great. He also made Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which is great also, but for being horrible. Yes. So Toby Hooper is like so hit or miss that I feel like if he didn't have a hand in like writing the damn thing, I don't know if he would have put his all into this. Yeah. Now, you know who I would have liked to have seen direct this? Lloyd Coffin. Sam Raimi. Ah, Sam Raimi. This would have actually been really cool with Sam Raimi. I, I wonder, though, because the novel, as I understand it, I haven't read the novel, uh, the novel has such little resemblance to the finished product of the movie, and that's all Dan O'Bannon's doing. I wonder if Sam Raimi would have taken a similar kind of approach, or if it would have been more serious and kind of had a similar tone to Night of the Living Dead. I wonder. But, I mean, I think that they did a good job by, like, you know, differentiating it from the like you know dawn of the dead and land of the dead like like the dead series basically yeah like the george a romero like i think he did a really good job separating himself from that he's like look you could get a serious zombie movie from there like you know it's heralded already in that era as like one of the greatest horror films of all time i'm gonna give you something silly and gross and we need more of that in the world. I think that that's not a bad thing. No, not at all. And I, I think they did a really good job with it. Uh, coupled up with the punk rock imagery. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. that's a really cool experience. It's pretty novel. Uh, now, uh, talking about that, though, I mean, what are your thoughts on punk rock culture in film? Like, is that an exploitation? Is that an exposition of the culture? Is this, like, telling of the Reagan era of film? I mean, you're the film guru. So I want to know what you have to say about this. Okay, so... Punk rock in films can be one of two things. So, one, it can be, like, super cheesy, like, oh, there's, like, the one punk kid in this high school movie, and, like, maybe the preppy girl falls in love with them, and everyone learns that they're not so different. You know, that there's that kind of shit, where it's, like, that's exploitation. That's just, like, okay, we got a jock, we got a weird kid, we got, you know, the little princess bitch, we've got, like, a brainy kid. Okay, who, who do we get next? You know, we can either have a bully or a punk. You know what, let's make him a bully punk yeah that, like, like that's what you typically get in like what you said reagan era but i mean there's also like you know the spirit of punk rock in film so like i, I would say kind of stuff like like this like this has a very like punk rock spirit to it like it's very diy like let's just fucking do it kind uh -huh. of thing even though this was made by a major studio so it's not technically diy but it's definitely outsider art technically <laughs> Yeah, I see that. I see that. Um, I'm trying to think. I wish I would have came up with a better example for this. But I mean, like, anything that's, like, feels DIY and it's just, like, grimy and gross, but, like, has a lot of artistic merit to it, that's punk rock. I see that. I definitely see that. I think that this movie's really interesting in that it does take that angle at you know, the point in time where there was a lot of demonization surrounding, you know, punk rock and like mm -hmm. the, what it does to people and cultures and societies and families and stuff. And I think it's interesting that in this movie, instead of having the bad guys be punks or like having like your, your street thug villain type character be a punk, they're technically the good guys. Like they are technically the ones trying to survive the zombie apocalypse. The zombies are the bad guys. Correct. And speaking of which, um, I just want to write a wrong in this film if I can very quickly okay, while we're on okay. this subject. 
Um, the character's suicide did not des- deserve to die as early as he did in the film. Fair like, enough. Like, not only was he a true punk, he was trying to stay true to himself. He's also a feminist because that girl was throwing herself all at him. And he said, no, you're drunk, which is what you should always do, by the way. I see. Um, I didn't realize that there was drinking going on. Yeah, in the graveyard scene. Oh, yeah, the graveyard scene. Yeah, and How it's could just you forget? like... And it's just like, wow, what a three-dimensional character that gets killed almost immediately. And he did deserve it, especially when, like, you know, the preppy girlfriend of the guy that got the job at the, you know, cadaver factory. Yeah, Tina. Cadaver factory? (laughs) It's a cadaver First off, great metal band name. Second off, definitely not a cadaver factory. (laughs) (laughs) Also, what do you produce here? Cadavers. Mm. So you mean you process the cadavers? To, you know, put them, you know, into cadaver stores so that schools can come buy them. No, we make them here. You know Yikes. what's funny, though? I'm getting out of here. <laughs> it, this movie cracks a joke at how, like, the skeletons come from India, like, in the medical supply warehouse. And then mm-hmm. he's asking, like, what's going on in skeleton? He's like, oh, they have a skeleton farm. They <laughs> did that in this movie. And soon after this movie was released, India made a public announcement saying that they would no longer be supplying medical skeletons as an export. <laughs> Why? It is unclear whether there is a connection or not. <laughs> kind of like where McDonald's was like, no, we were going to, you know, downsize our supersize before Super Size Me came out. He just beat us to, you know, the announcement. Right, right. So-called, like... Big business moves that were in the works. This would also be a good time to point out that uh, at one point in time, there was a uh, there was a blood farm in India. A blood farm. Yeah, so basically it was hard to get blood like for transfusions in India. So there were people that would kidnap people and then milk them for blood and sell it on the black market. I don't like that. <laughs> no, it's it's horrifying. But it, okay. it's just, it's not a crazy concept. The skeleton farm is not a crazy concept. <laughs> okay. We have to move on. Right, you plant little bones, those little, like, you know, like, smarty candy that are shaped like bones. You plant them in the ground and a skeleton (laughs) grows out. So it's, so, are you saying that skeletons are now a plant? I'm saying that they can be grown from the ground. I mean, technically fungus grows from the ground, too, but it's not actually a plant, it's a fungi. Hey, I'm a fun guy. Yeah. Hey, fun guy. (laughs) I hate us. Right. We need to get these skeletons grown out of the ground. Elon Musk, get on it. Gritty, get on it. Um, Indian (laughs) government, get on it. Okay. So, John, I think it's about time we wrap up the show. What, What are your final thoughts on this? I mean, I think this is a fun film. I don't think it's an awesome film. I think it's actually surprising how highly rated it is, even in, with hindsight. I, I I don't know what the actual reception on the ground was. People thought it was probably trashy at the time. Or at least that's what my perceptions are of it. I think it's cool because I like B-movies and I like movies like this. Um, but it's not for everybody. I recommend everybody give it a watch if you're into zombies or you're into punk movies or you're into all kinds of stuff. If you really like Rocky Horror Picture Show and you really liked uh, Dawn of the Dead, this is probably a movie for you. Yeah, I... It- definitely go into it like knowing it's almost like sort of like a like a dark comedy i think i think going into it with low expectations and coming out with you know being impressed is the best way to watch this movie definitely definitely all right everybody so that we're gonna go ahead and close the book on return of the living dead um it probably won't close by itself we're probably gonna have to tape that thing shut but nevertheless we'll do that you're the audience you don't have to worry about it if you want to hear more from us check out our facebook we put memes and uh sometimes we'll put the cocktail recipes on there for those of you that don't want to like listen and do it at the same time which why don't you do that you watch cooking videos while you're cooking something anyway You can all, if you guys could also go and give us, you know, like preferably a five star rating on the Apple Podcast app. And the only reason I'm asking you to do that is because it gives us a little bit more visibility in the podcast sphere. Because if you didn't know, there's a billion and a half podcasts out there. Why you're listening to ours, I don't know. I love you and I appreciate you, but you I don't do. know why you're listening when there's so many better podcasts out there. But we thank you. And if you want more people to join our little community, join our Facebook, give us five stars tell your shitty friends uh and i think that's gonna about do it uh for four year inflammation i'm zach and i'm john go watch a new movie this week guys bye yes i'm so glad bodies (laughs) gotta get those bodies let the bodies hit the floor let them will in fact hit the floor allow them to do so uh nothing wrong with me nothing wrong with me nothing wrong with me